And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbrough. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. This is Sleep Dog with the Big Hulk. What's up, everybody? It's the Big Hulk. Uh, we're coming at you, man. We're in Chapel Hill today at the original Dog Pound. Man, we got a great pod. Uh, I'm not going to get into details, but I'm super excited. Glad that you guys are tuned in, and uh, let's get at it. Yeah, we are in the hawk's nest, dude. Uh, we have a lot of good things to get to. We got a couple key players returning for the Heels next year, so even though basketball season's over, we still got plenty to talk about in that realm. Uh, NBA playoffs uh, underway and exciting. We're going to talk about some of that. We're going to talk about... Kyrie being a bitch. We're going to talk about Steph Curry playing about four minutes and scoring about 80 points. We're going to talk about Luka Doncic hurting his calf, and now that them Mavs look like a lottery team in the playoffs. Uh, some of the rookies in there, we talk about Sleep Dogs rookie cards and the, uh, their stock with uh, some of these injuries and people that ain't making the playoffs and other people that ain't playing. Baker Mayfield, we got Cam Johnson, may or may not be the sixth man of the year. He's definitely a finalist. Uh, a lot of other NBA, uh, NBA awards coming up. Um, so we're going to jump right in, man. Big news news on campus uh big man on campus coming back next year armando baycott announced he's going to return uh seems to be recruiting football players basketball players uh hell he might even recruit us uh to come uh cover the games next year and then leaky black coming back big big addition for the heels too um probably unexpected one i don't know he kind of like he's like yeah i need i'll get i'll get this senior night and i'll come back for another one uh of course big questions whether or not Caleb and uh, RJ return, I don't see how RJ could not. I honestly don't think that Caleb would do himself uh, a disservice by by coming back for one more year. But what do you think about that whole situation, Big Hawk? Uh, mainly Armando returning next year. What does that mean for the Heels? First of all, you know, I'm super excited that Armando is coming back. You know, what I've said is I've said that you can tell teams that have uh, veteran leadership and you could tell why Brady made such a difference this year. Uh, one thing that Manic Brady Manic brought to this team was he was a starter for four years at Oklahoma and he, you know, he wanted to transfer and come here and he brought leadership. He also brought an effort level that a lot of guys didn't have and he brought a winning attitude and I feel like that's almost a lost arc, art and uh, college. Noah basketball. lost an arc. Yeah, also lost art though. <laughs> yeah, arc, art. Actually, I don't think Noah lost it. I think we lost it though. Anyway, sorry. No, the arc is buried. Um, it's on that mountain. <laughs> um, listen, I, you know my point is that. To me, if you ask me who the leader of this team was, and we've been saying all year this team doesn't have a leader, um, and then towards the end of the year, um, you see Brady kind of step in and build chemistry with the team. And then even these games where we kind of showed up this season, we had kind of no-shows. To me, Brady was the one guy, the one constant that kept battling, and I think that rubbed off on guys. And then he brought a winning attitude which it's hard to do that if you're a freshman. Okay, it's one thing to win in college or high school, but when you get to college, it's a whole different mindset. Uh, one, the talent level is better, and you're just not absurdly. You have to work at it to get better and to win ball games. It's not easy. You have to go out there and win, or, you know, win them. And I thought that's what Brady did. So I'm super excited 
that somebody that has Armando's talent level and what he's accomplished in college so far, I would say I would make an argument that this is one of the biggest returning players in college in recent years. And obviously what Armando accomplished last year, you know, it's you can make an argument that whoever votes on the ACC player of the year and all these awards, you know, to me, Armando was the best player in the ACC. Um, you know, stats back that up. And if you take Armando off this team, I don't think that we're a tournament team or we're in the picture to be a tournament team, whether we're capable of that or not, you know, is in debate. But, you know, I'm glad that Armando's coming back. And I'm glad that, you know, college has this type of caliber player that's going to be, you know, says, hey, no, I'm ready to come back to college. And it's good to see this is going to be like kind of like that old school feel where, you know, the first sign that somebody has or the first opportunity to go to the NBA, they turn down to go back to college. And, you know, the university – the fans are going to love him so much for this. But it's a whole different mindset, Sleep, when you accomplish something and now you got to come back and back it up. Backing it up versus proving yourself, two different things. And I will say backing it up after you've accomplished, accomplished a lot and you're on people's radar and you're picked to be the best player in the ACC and – People are having these expectations of you. It's much, you know, it's a whole different ballgame. To me, it's much more difficult to prepare and also, you know, all these expectations add a whole new dynamic. And um, you've seen players who, you know, the recent years I can think about Garrison, mm-hmm. who was preseason supposed to be ACC Player of the Year, had all these expectations and if you ask me, he didn't handle it right. I felt like he had to meet everybody's expectations. And to me, Armando seems like a very smart person. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be interested to see how he handles this. Yeah, dude, there's two two big things. You went to to Garrison, and I think he's the most apt comparison, right? Like Garrison had a great year, but he was on a bad team. There was no expectations of the team. There was no expectations of him. He had a good year. And then all of a sudden the expectations were there and the team hadn't really underneath the hood wasn't much different. And he just kind of proved that he wasn't a guy that could carry that load. And again, we talked about this. That's not really even a knock on him. I mean, it probably is, but it's, it's, it's not intentional. I mean, like not every player is just designed to be Kobe, right. To just, to just carry the burden and, and, and thrive under, you know, an extraordinary amount of pressure. I mean, I think on any of our great teams, Garrison Brooks is a sixth, seventh man, right? So, um, you know, maybe, yeah, you know what I mean? So it's different, different, you know, again, it, it probably comes out as a knock and it's not, it's just reality, right? Um, you know, Baycott definitely strikes me as different because what 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 was different about this team is that you could argue that the expectations were low until they weren't low anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Like you go into the tournament, all of a sudden, now people know you're good. And you turn you you know you win game one and everybody's like okay then you beat Baylor after blowing a twenty five point lead okay now now people know that like all right this team's got something to it then you go in and you win the next round against UCLA I think that was UCLA next right and then okay now you're starting against and a game after game after game after game these guys just keep showing up and so the pressure was there at some point mm-hmm. um, underdog yes uh, expectations though also yes so. I think uh, I think Baycott is in a different position to um, 
to handle it. And also, I just think he's a su- far superior player. Uh, I think I think Armando Baycott's the best player to come back since you did, honestly. Yeah. And um, and and that's what's really an interesting narrative is you got this whole thing of hey, we got all the way there, and it seems like. And this is where I'm going to go in a minute, but like it seems like these guys are together, and they're like, "Dude, we want to we want to run this back." And if we wind up with Caleb Love and RJ back, this team is going to be scary good right now. The difference is they played all season long, all the way to the last game. I mean, they were they were the underdog in every game probably in the tournament, Saint except Peter's Marquette, Marquette and Saint Peter's. Yep. And so, you know, it's a totally different story. Now everybody's gunning for you. And there are no more of these, like, you know, 20-point losses at home to some name, some store brand basketball teams, right? Uh, I think what's interesting to me is, and what I'm curious to, to get your thought on is, I think the only way Baycott is a viable NBA player, and I might be wrong about this, this is my two cents, but is he's got to develop jump shot, mid-range game, that kind of thing. Um, I just don't think he's big enough, fast enough, or or maybe strong enough is arguable because he's a big dude. He's strong enough, but but you know he's he's not as big as like you know I mean LeBron James is like six nine, six eight, whatever. I mean, so so that's my thing is like, what do you think he needs to work on in the off season? Um, and and do you think he you know is there a point he can get to? I, I guess I'm curious because where I draw the comparison is you came back. What did you see? I know you wanted to win a national championship, but I also presume that you felt like hey if i come back and work on some things i'm gonna improve my draft stock and 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 from your perspective uh what's probably going on through his mind right now as to why he's coming back um after just literally one of the greatest tournament runs of all time yeah well i think there's a few uh reasons why he came back one let's just say i mean Armando has an opportunity to be considered you know one of these monumental big men at uh, an historic program like UNC. You you look at our program at UNC, you see Big May, you see James Worthy, uh, Montrose, you know, Haywood. The big Hulk. Big Hulk, myself. Anton. You know, all these guys, and Armando has a chance. You know, to me, I feel like he's probably made an argument to be in that category right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he could solidify it with his senior year. That's one thing. Also, the next thing is, so he does, statistically-wise, he has a chance to beat my uh, rebounding record at UNC, and I hope he gets it. I really do. Um, It's, you know, records are meant to be broken, and I know how hard Armando works, and I would love to see um, him accomplish that, and I think it would bring, you know, for somebody to do that. I know when I broke the rebounding record, you know, it was a big deal. It meant a lot to me because – Rebounding is not easy, and if you're a rebounder, you understand how hard, and you understand, you know, you're in the trenches down there. I mean, you're pushing, shoving, and to get those rebounds, it's a lot of will. Uh, but he has a chance to do that. He has some, you know, a chance to do something special at UNC. Um, and also, my junior year, we lost in the Final Four in San Antonio to Kansas. And the next year, we won the whole thing. Um, what I will say is losing to Kansas in the Final Four, it was a different perspective, and it was a different vantage point for my team because we were expected to win the damn thing. Mm-hmm. And this team kind of popped out and exceeded everyone's expect- expectations. So their approach versus our approach, when we lost in the Final Four, it wasn't like, hey, good year, we got to the final. No, it was like, no, we're going back. We're working. Uh, I remember sitting in Coach Williams' office, 
it was me and Ty Lawson. He had us down there, and we were both considering about leaving or staying. And I had made up my mind. I remember this phone conversation. I called my grandpa, who I talked used to talk to about everything. There was no hesitation. He said, "You need to go back to school." And I had called, you know, I called my dad, my mom, both brothers, people who I talk over things, uh, you know, talk to important things in my life. And everybody else was like, we'll support you, you know, do what Mm -hmm. you do, blah, blah, blah. Typical politically correct answer. Mm -hmm. No, that's not my grandpa. You go back to school. So then right then I was like, I'm going back to school. And so we had that meeting and me and Ty both said we're coming back. And so from that point right there, we had put so much work in. And that feeling of losing to Kansas, that was a tough one, especially if you remember Coach Williams and, you know, all the things that Mm -hmm. their fans had told him really left us, you know, with a bitter taste and that losing feeling. We we worked our ass off that whole summer. And I would love to see how these guys approach the summer and what they should, you know, how hard they're going to work. Because championships to me are built through preparation and mindset. Okay. Nobody wins a championship in March, April. Okay, they win them in the summer, putting in the work, you know, to get better when most people aren't. And so if I'm looking at this, you know, what does Armando need to improve? Uh, being, you know, this is just an outside of mm-hmm. view, and I'm not saying he needs to do this. You know, we're in some ways part of the media. <laughs> you know, I would like them to see him be a little more consistent with his free throw shooting. And mm-hmm. I think he needs to find a way to be, you know – hit the big ones that's under pressure. Right. Um, he has very good touch. And so there's no reason he can't develop that, you know, that free throw line jump shot, which we've seen at times mm-hmm. that he could really knock down. So being really consistent there and, you know, I would like to see him add a few more post moves mm-hmm. because he is a really good, you know, he has good hands around the rim. Mm-hmm. He has pretty good footwork. So if he could add a few more uh, counter moves and then maybe an explosive jump shot, a counter to that right-hand hook, I think that would set him up great. But the other thing, Sleep, is you know people say develop an outside shot. But a lot of people, when they look at developing a player, people don't really talk about building on top of what really makes you great. Armando Mm -hmm. is really good around the rim. Mm -hmm. And if he could find easier ways to score around the rim, we're talking about duck ends. Mm -hmm. We're talking about watching film and Mm -hmm. finding how teams are guarding you. Where is the open space? I think all that stuff is really important. And, you know, it's it's kind of in a way knowing your game better than anyone else does. That's super important in sport is knowing how teams are going to guard you, knowing what you do effective, and kind of countering off of that and – you know, building those games and doing what you do uh, to the best. But you're right. If he gets that, you know, that three-point shot, kind of like I did my junior and senior year, that top of the key mm-hmm. three, you know, it's, you know, you can, he can easily develop that. And, you know, that's where I'd start with Armando for talking about improvements in the offseason. So to me, Armando's ceiling is Al Horford. Like, I think he's that kind of player. Uh, I just looked up. I thought Al Horford was a little taller. But but Al, but Al can shoot from outside, and I it's get about that. About 6'10". Yeah, so Al, it says Al 6'9 on Wikipedia. Yeah, 6'9", 6', um, whatever. And, and so, you know, he kind of had the same college game, I feel like, right? He did get to play opposite of Joe Kim Noah. Um, you know, he was a very reliable rebounder. And, you know, you, there's a lot of guys that are sort of good inside. They're powerful. They're strong. They're explosive. They're this. They're that. But, like, they're not as consistent. And, like, that's one thing about Armando when I watch him is he is, like, 
stupid consistent. I mean, dude, just you know what you're getting night in, night out, right? Yeah. And um and and the thing about it is is when I say develop an outside shot, what I mean is like, can he get can he extend away from the rim at all, right? I mean, yes. for a guy his size, I'm talking about like seven foot little, you know, turnaround jump shot, right? Mm-hmm. Like not a hook shot, right? Those little, those are. I mean, I think his moves with in damn near within arm's reach of of the basket is, you know, he's incredibly good. And if you see him up close, he's he he plays bigger in my opinion than he really is. Now you start being able to, you know, knock down seven to ten foot jumpers like you know, on the baseline and that sort of stuff that give you just a few more options because that's going to open up space inside for guys that are cutting. Then it's going to draw, you know, uh, more defenders are going to make, you know, um, you know, poor defensive decisions when you sort of have another arrow in your quiver, so to speak. Anyway, he's, I, I think he is poised to, you know, be a national player of the year contender, uh, obviously right out of the gate. And, you know, as goes he, so will go the rest of the team. And, um, you know, he's durable, reliable, consistent he's poised like you know he never you never can really tell if he's up or down um you know he's an ideal college player and i think with very subtle improvements he can go i don't think he's draftable right now i just really don't um um and that, again that's truly not uh you know <laughs> dude <laughs> guess who else isn't draftable sleep dog right so this is my opinion dude i, I love armando I just think the reality is 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 no no one's going to pay him the league minimum because there's too many other options to do what he can do. That being said, you know, I think I think this is the best decision he could possibly make. So I I have high hopes for him, you know, obviously I have high hopes for the Tar Heels, but he's one of the more likable players that we've ever had. So my high hopes are that he comes gets the benefit of what everybody says, man, if more people would come back to school, they would do better for themselves. Why don't people come back and blah, blah, blah. So I hope he comes and gets exactly what he deserves, which is the payout of, of that extra work and um, experience that comes along with it. Also, if the team does well, he now has this sort of uh, pedigree of of being able to play in big games at big times and make big shots and do big things, and and that that translates no matter what size you are to the NBA. So, uh, really happy to have him back. I think I think uh, Leaky is going to be another one that gives the team some stability. Uh, his role is 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 exceedingly important in helping you know Carolina. Uh, especially this sort of new style team when they're, you know, maybe they're not they're not clicking on all cylinders on certain nights. You need a guy like Leaky to make sure the other team and dude isn't clicking on all cylinders. So I think his his role is an important one and will continue to be. I'm honestly not 100% sure who the hell we got coming in a recruiting standpoint. What do you think about Caleb and RJ's chances of coming back? I have my own thoughts about it, but I don't think people give a shit. Yeah, I think RJ, to me, he's the most improved player on this team. And I think we saw that down the stretch, and especially in the tournament. He had some explosive games. Uh, he provided the team with a big amount of lift when we needed it he showed the ability to to make shots in critical situations and you know when we were bleeding he was able to stop the blood Mm -hmm. and you know provide some life for this team and some nights he just came out there and he got buckets and I think RJ I think RJ's coming back I don't know that for sure I haven't talked to anybody my gut says RJ's back and I'm super excited about that because before uh the preseason you know, evaluations that we did on SHWW. I said, I think RJ could be one of the best players on this team and in the ACC. Mm -hmm. And everyone thought, hey, they thought I was a little crazy. Like, what do you see there? 
I'm telling you, I think RJ could be one of the best players in the ACC. Okay, I think that he has the ability to score. He has the ability to knock down shots. He was somewhat inconsistent, but that's what young kids do. Okay, mm-hmm. and to me, I think RJ, you know, is we're incredibly lucky to have him because I feel like he could he could be a potentially a four year player that mm-hmm. you know we've seen kind of develop at yep. Carolina like. Joel Berry mm-hmm. and those guys, those type of guys, Marcus, Marcus Page. You know, you're talking about some guy that's been here for four years in these last two years. You were talking about, man, this is one of the great best point point guards that we've had at Carolina. Yeah. And I can see that in RJ. Uh, but Caleb, I, I you know, I don't know. Uh, I honestly don't know. And um, I looked just looked at, you know, some mock drafts online and they have him going late in the first round at some places. And it's not crazy to think that. I think he has athleticism. Um, he has decent size. And he has shown the ability to knock down shots. And is, you know, a lot of NBA scouts and NBA teams, when they look at, you know, how are they going to be able to convert to the NBA three-point line and knock down shots, will they be a consistent shooter? A lot of them look at the, th- the free throw percentage. And Caleb has a very good free throw percentage. He knocks down uh, crucial free throws. And, you know, I don't know, Sleep. I mean, this could be a guy that goes into the draft and works his way up to, you know, find himself in the late teens, possibly lottery. I don't know. I don't know how, you know, strong this draft is. I think it is actually kind of a weaker draft. Mm -hmm. Just looking at some of the guys on here, I would love to have Caleb back. And I think, Caleb's mindset and his growth during the season, you could also say that he was one of the most improved players, which is crazy because he was so important to us. Yeah. But his shot selection and his mindset and the way the chemistry was with the team, I mean, it was totally different towards the end of the year. If you compare the way they played um, in the tournament to how they played in November, a lot of times in December, January – you, you would be like, what, what? how is this team so much better? And, you know, that's one thing that makes this team, you know, so impressive to me. And then I'll just say, you know, hey, Leakey is one of the best defensive players in the country, and I'm glad that he really embraced that role. And I think he's going to be a critical player for this team coming back next year. And he made some big plays for us. I mean, you can make an argument that during that Duke game, he knocked down some huge threes mm-hmm. and really gave us a lift. Uh, but he is a versatile player. He can guard pretty much one through five. So we're glad that Leakey's coming back, definitely. And if I'm just looking at players who I would like to see kind of improve um, on the bench sleep, I'll just talk about this Puff Johnson. You know, he damn near won a championship for us. You know, he's going to have, to me, I, I would see a lot of improvement from him as well. You know, he's been one of these players that has provided this team with the spark. And he's come in and given us a heartbeat in times where we just didn't show up. Don Trez, he had his moments this year. He is athletic. He has size. He is strong. He could play at the NBA level. I'm telling people this guy could potentially be an NBA player. I expect big moments from him next year as well and a little more consistency. But, you know, we'll see sleep. This is very interesting. And I'm not sure we've had a team like this in recent years that has had these type of expectations because these expectations, this is a contender and it's a whole different, you know, it's a whole different mindset when now, Hey, you're one of the best teams in the country versus, Yeah. You're a bubble team. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, I'm going to be – I love it, but we'll see. Difference between being one of the best teams in the ACC and being one of the best teams in the country, this team will undeniably be one of the best teams in the ACC. The, whether or not they bring all these guys back, I think will ultimately determine out of the gate at least, whether they'll be one of the best, you know, considered one of the best teams in the country. The thing that I think is interesting about Caleb Love is, you know, I always try to look at, all right, the player and like, who do they remind me of in the NBA? I, I really think Baycott and, and, and Horford, again, I'm looking at ceiling. I'm not saying Armando Baycott is going to be, Al Horford was like, what, two, second or third pick and they won a national championship, big deal. Like, I got it. Uh, but, but dude, I look at Caleb Love and like I look at Tyrese Maxey and they remind me a lot of each other. Their games, their athleticism, they're sort of like just I mean, when they're hot, dude, the, these guys are hot. And Maxey is one I mean, I'm gonna get to this when we start coming mm-hmm. up, talking about the playoffs. I think Maxey's the second best player on the on the Sixers right now. I think he's one of the top ten players right this second in the NBA, and he's kind of coming out of nowhere. Um, I don't think I would have asked you or I would have told you, you know, probably a week ago that I think Caleb Love just has you know, too much to gain and too much to lose to, um, you know, to go now. I think I, you know, it's, I, I'm a 50, 50, like I think Caleb should stay. That being said, Maxi was a late first round pick right environment. The one good thing about being a, a late first round pick is you get on a good team with good coaches and good staff and good players and veterans and all these things. Cause they're contenders. And, you know, I, I could absolutely see Caleb love ceiling being a lot higher than Cole Anthony. Um, who is kind of who reminds me of RJ and RJ's shorter. The thing that worries, I, I just don't see any way that RJ could go right now. Just to me, he's his size matters in the NBA, whether you like it or not. RJ's six feet. Um, he's a great shooter, but can he defend? If he's playing a point guard, can he defend Chris Paul? Can he defend Steph Curry? Can he defend LeBron James, you know, on a, on a, on a switch, right? Like, I mean, I just don't <laughs> think anybody I, can defend those guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a very fair point, but my point really is that, you know, there's some big guys out there and, and, you know, I don't think RJ is a kind of guy, at least right now, that's going to be like a starter and, and have a big role on a team. Whereas, you know, with a little more, uh, refinement in his game and savviness, you know, can he be a poor man, Steve Nash? Can he be fucking Steve Nash? I don't know. You got to take two more years, uh, and really, uh, uh, commit to getting really, really good, um, at what you do. And, and there's, there are benefits to being short in the NBA and quick and shifty and, and those <laughs> sorts of things. So, I mean, these are just the kind of guys that come to mind about like, how could this guy be successful? Am I saying RJ Davis is ever going to be Steve Nash? No, I have no clue. Am I saying that, you know, um, that Caleb Love's going to go in the draft, be a late first round pick and potentially be the damn, you know, MVP of the playoffs. Like probably not. But these are the guys that, like, if you're looking to what what is this person's path for? These are people that these guys, you know, kind of remind me of. I think I think those guys, as unbiased as I can possibly be, which is not very much, I think they should come back, not for UNC, but for themselves. Um, I think that Caleb, the challenge with Caleb is, you know, his stock was so low after being so high when he first got here. Then you come and have this run, and everybody's like, "Okay, that's what we expected." Mm-hmm. And so now, like, dude, you can't argue that his stock is as high as it's ever been. But that being said, like, could it be higher? Is my question, and I think the answer is absolutely. I think if you show up next year, that team, after what we just saw, that team has the potential to be, 
in the conversation with 09 and 05 and all these in 82, you know, all these like, cause they got powerhouse players now that are proven and these guys could really put it together. And you could be seeing a team that loses three, four, five games next year and wins the national championship running away. And then all of a sudden all these dudes, you know, stocks high. So, I mean, I mean, I just hope they come back for themselves. Obviously as a, as a Tar Heel fan, you want them, you want them back cause they're great players, but I just, I just drew, genuinely see this being, being the best path forward for them. Yeah, and you you know you make some good comparisons, and you know I've told people is like, you know I'm not saying that Caleb is Joe Johnson, but they move the same mm. way, and you know Joe Johnson is much bigger. Yeah, uh, I played against Joe for for years in the NBA, and he's one of those guys that you watch that you're like, man, he's just not that athletic, but he gets everywhere. Like he can yeah. do get. You know, he puts people in weird positions and he just like, he makes everything look smooth. And I would say, you know, when I watch Caleb, I'm not like, man, this dude is just Mm -hmm. a freak athlete. No, I'd seem like, man, he kind of gets to these spots in in kind of the Joe Johnson way. And I'm not saying that's his ceiling because I... If it is, I mean, hell, Joe Johnson was a hell of a ceiling too. I mean, not everybody's got to be the MVP. I'll be honest, I don't think that's a ceiling. And that's no disrespect to Caleb. I think he'd be a hell of an NBA player if he, you know works hard and mm-hmm. reaches his potential. But Joe Johnson, that would be a realistic, unrealistic expectation for probably everybody uh, in college basketball. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's just a, it's a fun conversation to have. Uh, obviously, this time of year, you're sort of scratching and clawing for some shit that you can cling to with basketball, and, and we got it. So we find out here pretty soon. What is the, what is the draft in June? June. So the draft's in June. Again, these guys June, late be, June. Yeah, these guys got to be making a decision here pretty soon. Um but uh, one thing that's really is a good, great segue here into the NBA playoffs, which we want to talk about, is how many rookies are playing real roles. Speaking of all this stuff in the NBA uh, playoffs right now, you got Scotty Barnes in Toronto. I know he rolled his ankle, but he's he's argument uh, in the he's the finalist for rookie of the year. You got um, Maxi. Well, Maxi's a sophomore, but still young player, good team. Um, who else? There was a couple others I was thinking about. Mobley, he was in the playing game. Yeah. He had a big time year. He's yeah. in the. He's a candidate for rookie of the year. And then the other guy, um, you're talking about uh, Caleb Cunningham from Detroit. Cade Cunningham in Detroit. He, he's a yeah. Cade Cunningham. He's in the discussion. I'm not really sure. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's a final. So it's Mobley, Barnes, and Cunningham are the three. And then finalists. the Jalen kid from Houston. And Jalen Green's great, but those guys ain't got a chance in hell of making a playoffs in the next decade because they're on shit. I'm kidding, but uh, no, it's true. They're shit. But the the guys that are in the playoffs. So you got like Herbert Jones and Trey Murphy in in New Orleans. Uh, Herbert Jones is a starter, like great defender, yeah. right? Like I mean. Um, Young players, you got Desmond Bain and Edwards and freaking. I mean, everybody knows Edwards is good, but like Desmond Bain is is great. Uh, Atlanta, you know, you you got a couple guys there that are young. I'm trying to see. I'm trying to pull it. There was like one other rookie. I mean, I'm obviously big on Jonathan Kaminga. He's not playing at all in in the Warriors series, so maybe I'm forgetting. But anyway, I mean, you know, especially especially Barnes and especially Maxi, um, and just that's kind of the cool thing right now about what's going on in the NBA is, oh, you had also like Primo playing in, in San Antonio. Um, just a lot of important young players getting important minutes. And that, and, and that's kind of what I'm, I'm segueing into is like, dude, the NBA playoffs, like the NBA is, is 
a fucking great product right now. A hundred percent. I mean, I was I'm watching freaking the Pelicans play. Who the hell were they playing? The uh, the they're Spurs. Playing Phoenix. And they're playing Phoenix now. And um, dude, you got you got Brooklyn and Boston. You talk about series. the Clippers playing a game. Yeah, the playing game, yeah. dude. I'm watching that one. I'm watching Brooklyn and Boston. That's a great game. Kyrie just bitching about everything. Chicago, Milwaukee, the Sixers and, and Raptors uh, is is a great series. Atlanta, I, I dude, I love rooting against Trey Young, so I'm loving that the Heat, who I didn't actually think were going to be that good, or just blew the doors off of game one. Memphis, Minnesota, dude. I said this was going to be a good series. Dude, Anthony Edwards is as advertised, dude. That guy is insane. They said it hit. So the play-in game doesn't count as a playoff game. But, yep. I mean, I don't understand why not. He scored 30 in that game and scored 36 in, in round one. Dude's got 66 points in his first two playoff games. And he makes it look fucking easy. He's good, dude. Minnesota might take that series. They and might. People talk, you know – uh, Memphis uh, was second in the standings mm-hmm. uh, for the West. And, you know, Minnesota, I think, uh, what's his name? Cat was yeah. – uh, Carl Anthony Towns was out most of the year. He's healthy now. He's playing. And then you have Anthony Edwards who is a – he's on his way to being a primetime all-star, a premier player in the NBA. And he is fun to watch and also – He's hilarious. Watch his interviews. Oh, Great yeah. talker. He actually named his dog Anthony Edwards Jr., which I thought was <laughs> ab- absolutely comedy. Um, I did not know that, man. I'm like, I'm, I'm all in on this. Dude. But Minnesota does have one of the most annoying players in uh, Pat Beverly. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I respect him. He works hard. I don't. Plays defense. But, man, he just is just an irritant. And, uh, you know, that series is great. I'm going to pick – I think Minnesota's going to take it. They, I know they took the first game. It's, uh, you know, it's 1-0 Minnesota in the series, best of – first of four. And I think I think Minnesota can take it. I know um, a lot of people are high on Ja Morant, and I think he is just an unbelievable athlete. But I don't know if – you know, it seems like, you know, they had a better record without Ja, and I can't wrap my head around why yeah, that is. Yeah, that's crazy. And I'm a big fan of the uh, the big man for Memphis, uh, Valachunas. No, he's the Pelicans, Adams. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, Stephen Adams. Stephen yeah, Adams. God, I love that guy. <laughs> uh, that dude is hilarious. Yeah, I played with uh, Valachunas uh-huh. in Toronto. Hell of a guy. Great dude. Looks like a Viking. European as it gets. Uh, <laughs> Got his hair slicked back, and it never moves the whole dude, game. That's is, unbelievable. Dude, he is a he is a great dude. Um, you know, I'm pulling for him. They got their hands full. I think he had like 25 rebounds the first game. Uh, he is, guys, he is a big body too. Dude, D'Angelo Russell's also in Minnesota. I mean, he's a great player. Dude, yeah. He's making $30 million this well, year. Well, he damn near was – I mean, he was an all-star during yeah. his contract year, and then somebody said, we'll give you the Supermax, and it happened to be Minnesota. Good he didn't turn that Lord. thing down. Um, Torian Prince making 13 mil. God, NBA money's just silly right now. Who is that? Anthony Edwards, 6'4", 225. I mean, that's the crazy part. Like, people – I think I – think, I think weights are like overstated a lot in the NBA, but you start getting in the two twenties and as a guard, I mean that's durability right there, dude. He is a monster. It's a unit. Yeah, I think you're right about. We're not Mar- talking about Zion. Nah, right? uh, uh-uh. that's another story. That's funny. Yeah, I, I mean John Morant is 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 such a fun player to watch. Um, I'm gonna be honest on a hot take though, dude. 
I, I mean, I think he's a great player. He can take the game over. He's 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 reminiscent of Derrick Rose a little bit. But I think Derrick Rose at his peak is it is prime. You know, healthy Derrick Rose is is a hell of a lot better than John Morant. I played against Derrick Rose in his MVP year Dude, in the playoffs. That's one of the best seasons I've ever seen in the NBA. And I will tell you this. You won't find an argument. I mean, I don't even think it's. I don't think he's in the same zip code as Derrick Rose. Mm-mm. And uh, D- Derrick Rose, R- Rose. Um, I. You know what, man? I played against uh, D Rose in the playoffs, and this guy, he was unbelievable that year. And if you were to say, you know, if you came to me and you're like, "Yo, who should I go?" And I'm going to pay money to go watch somebody in the NBA. I say, okay. Try and find a ticket to LeBron. Try to find a ticket to D Rose. I mean, that guy is unbelievable. And you know, uh, D Wade would probably be in that category as well. But um, I'm with you, sleep. You know, I I think Ja Morant makes unbelievable highlight plays. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think years down, I think he hasn't really developed fully into the like, – I don't think he's touched the surface on what he's going to be. Mm-hmm. And if he gets a – you know, let's talk about this guy just – you know, I think there's more development that's yeah. going to happen and he's going to be a much better player in two or three years. Right. Is my, you know, my perspective. I mean, he's super exciting. And don't get me wrong, dude. He's, he's really good. But, you know, I mean, I think a guy like Edwards is going to be – it won't be long before he's knocking on the door being MVP. Um, I mean – Morant could very well make that jump, but I think that, you know, I don't know, man. He's just uh I, I don't know, put it this way. You give me some guys to build a team around. Um, it's hard for me to put my finger on exactly why I'm saying this, but it's not John Morant. And I mean that's a that's a real hot take because I mean people are high on him and, and I think he's a good player, but I think there's um there's a lot of guys out there that um you know, have a higher ceiling. Anyway, that Miz, that Memphis and in Minnesota series probably my favorite one. The other the other ones going on tonight are kind of as we're recording, kind of snoozers. Atlanta, Miami, Phoenix, and New Orleans. Uh, but our boy Cam Johnson's in the running for Six Man of the Year, and I don't understand how he couldn't win it. Yeah, I think Cam's going to win that. Uh, I think it's an easy decision between exactly. him, Tyler Hero, and Kevin Love. And Kevin Love had like, dude, if you like basketball, dude. You got to love the fact that Kevin Love's in the running for it. I don't know why he wouldn't be like comeback player of the year, though. Yeah, I, I, you can't give an all-star that's been in – you know, you can't give it to him. He's been an all-star too much, made too much money. Uh, you know, I go with Cam Johnson, young kid. He's actually having a huge impact, uh, plays for the best team in the Western Conference. Uh, he's been consistent all year. I go with him, but I think Tyler Hero will come in second. Very close race. Um, also sleep – uh, this is going to pop out on Wednesday, so the Boston-Brooklyn game will be tonight. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend everybody tune into that. I know your guy oh, yeah. Kyrie's playing, <sighs> and you've really enjoyed all the antics with that. an asshole. <laughs> that is a hell of a series. Listen, I would say of all the people in the playoffs right now, uh, we're talking about just pure basketball. KD is my favorite player to watch. One of my favorite players – of all time, just to watch play basketball. The game comes so easy to him. He is a seven-footer that can put people, you know, on the ice. He has handles. He has mm. a jump shot. And I told a uh, fact checker, I said, it's like God took somebody and said, 
this is what I want a basketball player to be like, and it happened to be KD. Uh, KD has that killer mindset. He has the ability to hit big shots in huge moments, and he has been one of my all-time favorite players even since when I was in the NBA. I loved watching him play as well. He had one of the best dunks I've ever seen uh, where he – you guys can YouTube it. Uh, uh, he dunked on Roy Hibbert so hard. It was – I was just like, did that just happen? Go and YouTube that. Also, uh, just randomly, I, I think his name's Eric Gordon. Eric yeah. Gordon dunked on Roy Hibbert. As hard as I've ever seen anybody dunk on somebody. <laughs> go go YouTube both of those. Those are great. But to me, if I'm talking about playoffs right now, I think the Boston-Brooklyn series has been the most exciting to watch uh, just based off of game one. Oh, yeah. That one was a good one. Um, you know, and then the whole antics. I, you know, if you listen to this podcast, if you haven't, the, my biggest beef with Kyrie, aside from the fact that he went to Duke for five minutes uh, <laughs> and then they try to claim him as their own like they usually do, was the fact that like he did this whole bullshit with the with the vaccine and look, this isn't a political statement. I don't give a shit one way or the other. What I really care about is he got I they my fantasy basketball league, they pulled the rug out from under me, switched the draft last minute so some dipshit who hadn't paid his entry could go to a go see Hamilton with his with his grandparents or something like that. And I show up for the scheduled draft time to realize that the draft has already taken place and I got fucking Kyrie Irving on my team. And everybody already knows this year because I got because they auto drafted him. The reason he wound up on my team because Everybody else knows that Kyrie ain't going to play because he won't get a vaccine, because he thinks the earth is flat, because he thinks the world revolves around him, because he went to Duke, because he's an asshole. And so I don't like him. But damn, I love watching him. Uh, like he's Dude, he's fucking good, dude. Uh, so let's just put that right out there. You ain't got to like him, but you do respect his game. Um, but that being said, like he you know, got all you know, hot-headed talking shit to somebody that was talking shit to him. Somebody said he sucks, so he starts flipping him off and doing all this stuff. And then he dribbles, dribbles tries to dribble the clock out, basically, it looked like, with, uh, with time running out and put, put his team in a bad situation. And next thing you know, you know, Boston comes back down, um, gets the layup one's game so uh and of course i wasn't too happy about that because jason tatum made the layup so i mean he went duke and you know he's a likable guy likable player until he realized that he went to duke and he's not anymore but that is a great series um i do one of my biggest things i'm bummed out about is i really like scotty barnes out of florida state like scotty barnes and was really bummed out when he sprained his ankle because that sixers was i, I sixers raptors i think was really going to be his sort of coming out party but he's been hurt he can't play he didn't play game do you get hurt in game one, or do you get hurt? They've all, yeah, uh, game one. Yeah, they've played two games. Okay. So it's 2-0. Um, yeah, and I don't think Philly. he's going to – he didn't play game two, and I don't – or wait a minute. Aren't they, I, they're I playing tonight. They're playing game two tonight. No, they're not. They play. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. They're playing tomorrow. He didn't play for the first two games, or maybe he got hurt early in the first game or something like that. Yes, he got hurt early in the first game. Point being is I'm bummed out because I feel like he is an impact player. Right, and it's been so much fun watching Maxi, but but Toronto's not nearly good enough to win that series without him. Is my point? I think I'm trying to make. No, I, I played for Nick Nurse. He's an unbelievable coach, and I saw him and Embiid kind of get into it towards the end. Had mm -hmm. some words exchanged. You know, I think that's just Embiid touch and mature. There, I mean, come on, man. Just you know, there's no need for you to go over there and say anything to Nurse. This guy is just fighting for his life. Um, clearly you guys are the better team and I think it's going to be a sweep personally. I think Scotty Barnes is out for the rest of the series. Yeah. Just based off of what I saw. Um, but 
And he's in a walking boot. Doesn't yeah, I mean, if somebody's pulling him in a yeah. wheelchair around uh, <laughs> around town, there's a good chance he's not going to suit up tonight, guys. Uh, listen, this Boston-Brooklyn thing is Dude, hilarious. I love it. So, you know, I, I, I follow Barstool pretty tightly. And, you know, they're all a bunch of Boston guys. <laughs> and I see uh, um, Portnoy is just going at Kyrie, and I think it's hilarious. Um, but – so the Kyrie thing is I sleep. I don't know if you saw this. I was watching the game. He actually uh, flips off the crowd a little bit mm-hmm. as he's trying to yeah. inbound the ball, yeah. and then he Put hits his hands some shots. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, then he hits a shot and he yeah. flips him off again. Yeah, and to me, it's just like honestly, it's like some shit, some shit a preschooler would do. Yeah, and I thought it was. I find it's entertaining. And I love I, it. Yeah, I love to watch it, and for some reason. You know, if this wasn't a marquee guy, this was just like some yeah. bench player coming off, I would be livid. Yeah. But I think it's hilarious. Yeah. It's, it's it? like, dude, you got to realize, man, like you, you fucking lit a match and dropped it on a pile of straw on the bridge that was the only way in and out of town, bro. Like you, you eviscerated any chance of like getting along with these people. And then you're pissed. When, like, people are calling you on it. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm sorry, dude. Like, I understand. Now, and and no one at any point in time has said that I'm aware of that anybody's, like, crossing a line. Right? If somebody's out there talking, say, you're, you're, you're trash or you suck or, like, you know, this, that, or even, like, you know, some shit that it would probably hurt my feelings, but I ain't, <laughs> I ain't a superstar in the NBA that just burn every bridge on my way out of town, right? So, like, you got to just, you made that bed a little bit and you got to live in. Now, if people are crossing the line, that's a totally different story. And, uh-huh. you know, we see that sometimes too. But, like, dude, it seems like you're a fucking crybaby. And then when you turn around and you hit these shots because you're a great player and then you get burned on it, it's going to look, it's just a bad look. And people like us are going to talk about it. So, <laughs> That's that's just how I feel on it. Listen, fans, uh, guys out there that go to these games, and uh, you know, season ticket holders or whatever. The one thing I, you know, when I watch these videos, I'm like, damn, I wish he could have thought of something a little more clever than you suck. Yeah. That is like the yeah. universal dumb thing to say. Yeah. I feel like LeBron, like people when LeBron's leaving, someone's always like, LeBron, you suck. <laughs> And you're like, really? You think he really? I heard that one before. You really think he fucking sucks? Like this guy's arguably yeah. uh, one of the greatest players to ever play the game. But yeah. you're gonna tell him he sucks? I mean, come up with something a little bit clever because I guarantee you, Kyrie has heard that probably every arena. Yeah. And I don't know why. <laughs> the, the 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 thing is, Kyrie's probably heard this a thousand, you know, more than a thousand times a night in, in a year. Yeah. yeah. And so the thing is, like. Why now are you telling people to go ahead and suck your, you know? Yeah. And uh, honky tonk, donk a donk, but I get out. But the thing is, like, um, <laughs> leaving the game, and he said that after the guy said you suck, obviously he has a lot of emotions. I think the NBA needs to find him. They did and 50K. 50K, yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, he deserves that. You do the crime, you do the time, period. There was no there's no need for a suspension. I thought it was all good and entertainment, except for walking off the court and telling him to suck your and then the the flipping off yeah. um, was inappropriate as well. Also, you have young kids in these stadiums that idolize yeah. you and that can you know, leave a negative impact, but I have no problem with him going at those fans. Yeah, because it's all entertainment. I guarantee you, those fans will talk about that moment for a long time. As an athlete, as Kyrie is like, "Hey, man, 
I'm a fan of Boston. If I, you know, I'm a season ticket holder. I had high expectations when you came to the Celtics. Like we were a contender and you didn't handle yourself right there. Mm-hmm. You know how much money I spent on these tickets. Yeah. I'm going to yell at you every single yeah. time I come here. And uh, season ticket holders actually pay for a good amount of these guys' salary. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those things are not cheap. Yeah, it doesn't give you a right to cross a line, but it does give you a right to complain, right? I you mean, always had the right to complain. Yeah. So, I mean, I you paid it. to get in, and that's the deal. So, you play great, you, you do right by people, and I bet they don't complain that much. Uh, anyway, the playoffs, man, if you haven't checked them out, you should. Uh, another place you should check out if you haven't is Jimmy's Famous Seafood. I uh, bet you guys knew that was coming. The old third base size crab cakes, dude. I haven't had one in a while. I'm going to get on that order, but um, anyway, they take care of us best way you can take care of us is taking care of them because uh we don't want them to be like damn this sponsorship we have with these guys ain't, ain't yielding anything for us but um we um yeah we love those guys so check them out and um i just got to get that in there because last time i forgot i don't even know where i'm going with it but that's it on that one um i got one more thing yeah and it's not the usual end all oh you brought up hamilton oh hamilton and- yeah Hamilton fucking sucks. Oh, dude, and garbage. I, now I and that's w- not a racial thing. I didn't, you know, I don't know what that. You know, yeah, I think it, it's, guys, I haven't even seen it. It's, okay, it's really, all right. And well, I'm saying it sucks. So I well, just was trying to. Hamilton <laughs> fucking sucks. I'll say it. <laughs> Quote me on that. Put it everywhere. That <sighs> shit suck. Fucking sucks. And I will tell you this. One other thing is, one of my favorite scenes in a TV show is Secession, where the, <laughs> uh, one of the characters, I can't think of his name pulls Todd over and he goes, hey, this is a safe you know, safe space. You don't have to admit that you like Hamilton here. You can speak freely. And he's like, what? I like Hamilton. And he said, yeah, we all like Hamilton. Being sarcastic. <laughs> and I tried to watch Hamilton. And anyone that says Hamilton is good, I automatically lose a little respect oh. for him because that, that, that sucks. Hamilton fucking sucks. I haven't even seen it and I'm not going to now because what Big Hawk says goes. His world, we just live in it. Um, Anything else, Big Hawk? Stay safe. Stay safe.